we gave our picks. And now it's time to get into the main course of the night. Tomorrow night, NBA dreams will come true for lots of young players, 19, 20 years old, and for NBA franchises hoping to get back to the promised land with some home run swings. All right. Now, this draft, before we, we're going to do a little mock draft. John and I obviously are not the experts. I've done a little bit of studying up. John doesn't appear like you have, but thank God that we have our friend and draft expert, friend of the pod, Mr. Eli Maluhi here to give us his wisdom. So Eli, before we get into the mock, you know, what kind of draft is this? Is this a super deep draft? Is this a top heavy draft? Is this a draft that we can expect, um, you know, these big names that 10 years from now, they're going to be ruling the league. Or is it kind of like a boomer bust? What kind of vibes are we feeling this year for the 2022 draft? Great question, Alex. So the way that I see this draft is I don't see a like number one like superstar player. There's no Zion. There's no Anthony Davis. There's no Carl Anthony Towns. There's no Cade from last year who was my number one guy. Um, you know, there's no one in that level. I think. The, the meat of this draft is in two places, I think. The top four-ish, you know, give or take one guy, you know, I think it's really a top four. The top four, I think, is really, really good. I think there's four legitimate, like, tier two kind of guys, like second best player on championship teams. I think there's four of them, which is a pretty good number, right? Like, if you go back to recent years, you know, last year was an outlier because last year's draft, I think, was just nuts. Right, but go back to even just two years ago. You have Anthony Edwards, you have Lamella Ball. Those two are probably guys in route that tier. And then after that, you know, it drops off a tiny bit, right? And, you know, but I think that that's where the crux of the draft is. The top four guys are awesome. I think it falls off a little bit after that. I think from like five to like 20, I think is probably like, there, there's not a lot of difference. Like, yeah, obviously the number five guys better than number 20 guy, whatever. But I think that, they're all relatively closer, like tiered together. I think where the next best part of the draft, I think it is pretty deep at the end of the first round. There are five, six guys between like that are going to go probably between like 20 and 35 that I like really like. And I think that that's kind of where like the, the next strength of the draft is. Awesome. Um, so that's kind of where I see this draft, you know, feeling out, you know, at this point right now. Okay. So we also, we know the draft order. It's, it's Orlando. It's, uh, then it's OKC, Houston, uh, Sacramento, Detroit, Indiana, and so on. But, you know, especially with these top four guys, Eli, I don't know, like, in a vacuum, how are you ranking them? And obviously the top four guys are in no order. You know, Jabari Smith, you got Chet Holmgren, Paolo Bencaro, and I'm assuming the fourth guy is Jaden Ivey. Okay, yes. cool. So if you had to rank these guys, uh, what who who would you just want to start your, you know, blank canvas franchise with out of those four and then you know give me the fullest so my number one guy and honestly it's, it's really not that hard for me for me it's chet chet holmgren i think is going to be so it's hard to say he's a the one bust? exception no absolutely not gonna be bust um he's the one exception to my like best player on a like, tier one kind of like argument he doesn't fit the mold of a tier one player so that's where I'm kind of like a little bit iffy on calling him like Kate Cunningham, like a ball dominant guy or, you know, Zion Williamson or you know, any of those other guys. He doesn't really fit that mold. Um, but I think he has the, the talents 
to be considered one of those like tier one guys. Chet, we can talk more about Chet specifically, but I think Chet, you know, is my number one for sure. But not, um, as, not, then, as, not as a shot creator necessarily, or is it everything else that he Yeah, does? see, that's the thing. He's like, he's going to be one of the best defenders in the NBA like tomorrow. Truly. I truly believe he's going to be one of the best defenders in the NBA already. Um, well, I got I got to interrogate you now, Eli. All right, go so for we, it. We can talk. We can talk, Chet. We'll stop and talk, Chet. All right. So how tall is Chet? Ooh, seven two. Uh, I think he's listed at seven foot. Like exactly. I'll get exactly. I'll get his NBA combine now. But Chet, he is seven foot tall, and he is one hundred and ninety five pounds. I do yeah, have yep. to say, he will be the first, or he will, excuse me, he will be the second player in NBA history to be seven feet or taller and under two hundred pounds. The first one being. Alex Pogoshevsky, who plays for the Oklahoma City Thunder. There's actually going to be a third this year. There's a guy, John Butler, and he's going to be a second rounder. He's 7'1", 175. Oh, I heard about this guy. What, where do you, where Why do you is play? anyone drafting him? Florida State. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, you know what? I remember. I remember. We, I think we saw Florida State play Boston College. I won't. Maybe <laughs> yeah, he is, he, is teeny, he is teeny tiny. But anyway, continue. So, <laughs> all right. So, this is this is part of it. So, we're talking about a seven-foot guy. So what position is he going to be guarding, Eli? He, he's he's going to be guard. I mean, he's going to be a four. He's going to be a four probably next – God, ideally next to a, like, just bigger-bodied center. He doesn't even have to be, you know, uh, you know, a great even player, just like a bigger-bodied guy. He can play the five technically, whatever. As long as the front court guy next to him is a little bit of a bigger body, I think it, he, he can play the four or the five. All right, so right now the favorite is for – isn't it for um, for number – Orlando was not going to take Chet, and then we're expecting – Thunder. Right. Like so Jabari Smith – We'll get into yeah, we'll that. We'll go into that in a bit. But okay, so whatever. My point is let's, – my point is, Smith, let's say Smith goes to Orlando, Chet goes to the OKC. So he's playing the four now. Who's – to me, the set, I don't know who the center is, but guess what? Monday night, Joel B is going to be in town, okay? And then maybe, like, a few more nights from then, you're going to have even a guy like Rudy Gobert in town, who, like, offensively, nah. whatever. Hold on, Joel nah. Embiid, 200 – wait, 280 pounds. I get it. No, 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 no. no. Here's, here's my rebuttal, John. Here's my rebuttal, John. Who can guard him? That was the first one. Nobody can guard Joel Embiid. <laughs> like, nobody can guard him. Right? It's like saying, oh, have a guy you know, that has at least 200 pounds, okay? Oh, See, especially also, when he's, he's 20, he's 20 years old, dude. Well, Kevin Durant was, and I'm not saying he's Kevin Durant, but Kevin Durant was 6'11", like 190 something as well. How heavy is Durant now? Durant's not that heavy. And he's, still, and he's great. And look he's at Giannis. Heavier. And he's look a wig. Giannis. Giannis put on 60 pounds. Giannis is, is an alien. Okay. And, so I think Chet, and I think Chet is an alien. He's okay. not on Giannis's level. Don't get we'll me wrong. See. He's, Chet, he's not looks... letting Chet to be the 15th best player of all time or whatever. All right, all right. So, look, you just said Giannis. Look how Giannis came into the league at age 18, whatever. Giannis right now, 243 pounds, right? And he's he's also yeah. seven feet, okay? Giannis was running through the entire Celtics team. He was running through Tatum and Grant Williams and all these – and all these, and Al Horford, all these massive bodies, was running through them putting up 40 and 20. Okay, so to me, if we're gonna compare him, let's no, find no. let's see let's see Chet. No, put on argument now. We're not saying we're not saying Chet is gonna be Giannis. We're saying can Chet put on weight? Like, yes, he's skinny. Clearly, that's you know, he needs to build, he needs some film to his body, but he's also 20 years old. He hasn't even reached his you know athletic peak yet, and he's certainly gonna grow, right? It's more and the, that's the thing about Chet, John, is it's his upside, right? Okay, it's his upside. All right, so that's my thing. You could convince me of his offensive talent. You know, he's a four, whatever. But 
I don't know. I don't trust him guarding centers in the NBA. If he's who, gonna, who, who are centers in the NBA? There's really like two centers you're thinking of, and that's Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic, and no one can guard them anyway. So it doesn't matter. All right. Well, we well, only stop those guys with good team defense, which Chet would actually excel at anyway. So without getting too off topic, let's bring it back to Eli. So Eli, number one guy in the draft, you have Chet. Who else? Yeah. So number one for me is Chet. And I, you know, we can go, I can go even longer why I think Chet. But number two for me is Paolo Bacchero. Um, He is the, so, so you want me to talk about him or do we just go in order? Why don't, you, why don't you tell me those those rankings and as we as yeah. we do the draft, just so okay, we don't perfect. go too long. So I have Paolo two, I have and and I think that those two are my top two for sure. Three and four, I think it's interchangeable. I think it's really tough for me. I'm going to lean Jaden Ivy, and then have Jabari Smith at number four. Um, but I think that that one's really tough for me. It's they're so close together that I don't really, I wouldn't I wouldn't fault anybody for thinking Jabari. But I, I think feel Jabari like that's that's more of an unpopular opinion, you I know. Yeah, I am lower. I'm a little lower on Jabari than I am too. Than a little, than the consensus, and we can we can transition right into the draft because I yeah. do think Jabari is going to go number one. Okay, um, Eli, can I ask you something then? If you think he's going number yeah. one, Orlando Magic, they're going to pick him. Just really quick, you know, I think Orlando Magic. Why don't we Why don't we just jump through their uh, through their depth chart? Okay, so they yep. have. They drafted last year Jalen Suggs and Franz Wagner, and then they have Jonathan Isaac, who's been hurt, Wendell Carter, and Cole he's Anthony. Really good. Wendell Carter is very, very. He's good. good. And that's, he's another guy. I and mean, we thought he was done, or at least I thought he was done after the first couple of seasons. But look, he's he's showing promise. Um, so Cole Anthony's their, their starting point guard, um, and then they all they also have Mo Bamba off the bench. But why Mo Eli was Mo Bamba was a free agent. He's probably. Oh, okay. So we'll see. So why would they pick um, Jabari Smith Jr. over Paolo Bencaro or even a guy like Chet who has so much upside? So I think they're going to love Jabari because of the shooting. I think, like, all of those players you just listed, I think, I think the Magic have a decent core. Like, I think they've, they've got some talent, you know, for sure. They need a star. That's the one thing. And Jabari, as much as – and I can talk in a second why I'm a little bit lower on him the most – Jabari just fits perfectly because he, he's got the shoot. He's the best shooter in this draft. He's 6'10", 6'11", whatever he is, and he's by far the best shooter in this draft. He's in, he is a legitimate unicorn. AJ Griffin would have a word. He is number two. <laughs> we're going to talk about AJ Griffin later. He is, he is coming up in this spot. Um, but they are the two best shooters, but, but Jabari does it at 6'10", 6'11", whatever he's listed at exactly, I forget. Um, he's at 6'10". Um, and his shooting and his defensive prowess, right? Like those are the big things for him. He's basically going to be the best three and D player like in the NBA, like in, in a little more elevated role, like three and D you look at, you think of like, I don't know, like KCP, like those kind of guys, he's going to be better than that. Yeah. I think, but you know, he's just going to be a superstar three and D player. And that's a guy that fits everywhere. He's got a high floor and all of this. And I think Orlando is just going to fall in love with the length and the shooting. And that's where I think Jabari is. Gonna, and I mean, at the end of the day, I think I'm a little lower on Jabari, right? So like the consensus is that Jabari is one of these guys. So the consensus being that Jabari being one of, is one of these guys and he's the shooter defender that, you know, Orlando would definitely need. I think he's going to be the number one pick. I'm a little lower on him because I think his biggest weakness is the hardest thing to teach and probably the most important skill. And that's shot creation. Like, mm-hmm. 
he can't really create for himself almost at all. He, he has like a good one dribble pull up, like in the like in the high post kind of thing for sure. But once he dribbles the ball more than once or twice, he doesn't have great ball handling skills. He doesn't have good feel for like passing the basketball, which is my you know, biggest trait. Like where you'll see the guys that I love are the passers, right? Like think of who I've loved in the past. Like Lamelo Ball was my favorite player in that class. Josh Giddy was my favorite player last year. Like that's the kind of stuff that like I fall in love with, like the feel in the game of the game and being able to create for yourself and being able to create for others. That's not who Jabari is. Jabari to me, and this is kind of not even just my, this is kind of the general, you know, comp that I keep seeing from him over and over again. He's a better defensive Rashard Lewis, which is a really good player. Rashard Lewis, I think, made an all-star game. I'm talking he's a better better defender for sure, so he's going to be even better than Rashard Lewis. But, like, that's the kind of role that I see him filling. A 20-point-per-game complimentary three-point shooter who is also a really, really, really good defender. That's so I'll add this on, on Jabari. I think so. I'm jealous of this Bill Simmons take, but he was just talking about, and I don't even, I think it was, it was him. Bill Simmons was talking about how in today's NBA, it's almost like, to me, it's almost like drafting running backs early in fantasy football. It's like, there's so few of them. And he, he made a comparison, like fantasy baseball, just taking hitters. But to me, you know, made more sense. It's not like running backs in fantasy football. He's like with wings, like, it's almost like you need good wings to win the NBA title. If you don't have wings, you're not going to win, right? Like, you know, Memphis had a lot of great perimeter guys who they ended up pushing Golden State to six, the same amount, even without John missing a couple games, the same amount that the Celtics did, who also great wings, right? In Tatum and Brown, whatever. And so from there, even like thinking about a guy like Scotty Barnes, I'm like, holy cow, like the rap, like Scotty Barnes might be, have one of the highest like trade values in the league, just like behind, like he's probably in the, he might be in the top 10. Like maybe, maybe not top 10, top 15 in terms of like the, you know, obviously Giannis and Steph and John, these guys are early Jokic and beat, but like as just young guys who like aren't all-stars yet, just as a young dude who can like almost seems like he could do it all. And to me, that's where I'm like, you're like, you're selling me. Like he's at the very worst. Is he a great role player? Right? Like, is he three and D like, you know, maybe he can't create a shot, but like if you put him next to a guy that can do that, then like, it seems like he could be a really great fit next like me like well, what are they building like what is their what is their roster going to look like in the next five years you know so that's where i had questions but i mean sign me up for for an nba wing an nba well, ready wing yeah let me ask because let me ask you this eli so i definitely see for the orlando magic the fit piece uh of you want a better shooter in jabari smith um, who shot 43% um, on 163 attempts over Paolo, who Paolo hasn't really demonstrated that he's a good shooter. He could develop it maybe, hopefully he will, you know, maybe not. But especially, but then when I look at a guy like Chet Holmgren, who he shot 41% on 97 attempts, and it seems like his defensive upside is better, and he, it's not like he's creating shots for himself uh, either, and neither is Jabari. Then, I think Chet can. That's different. Okay, you think Chet can, so that's an even better thing. Why would Orlando not just take Chet, especially then he's also I, – I like these type of connections. Jalen Suggs played with him um, yep. in, in, in high school or wherever, and, and so they have a friendship, and apparently Jalen Suggs is still kind of a mentor for Chet. So why wouldn't you want to do that connection? Right. Especially in, in Orlando, you know, you want to really, you know – have uh, yeah. some young guys that your fans can get excited about for the next few years. And oh, and, compare those two. And they're so I'm totally with you. I'm totally with you. Because they both went to Gonzaga too. Like the connection's there, you yeah. know. 
I think they should take champ for all of the reasons you just listed. I just don't think they will. Are they stupid? They're mostly just like from here. Just like Jabari's been the betting favorite forever. And in fact, the one thing that you did bring up, you brought up Paolo. Paolo's the one that's getting the buzz. You know, in the last two or three days, the betting markets have moved big time to say that Paolo is at least an option, right? And I think that the reason for that, so the reason for that, and I love Paolo. Paolo's my number two. Um, And I will talk about Paolo in a second. Fit-wise, for Magic, I don't see why Paolo would make more sense. I do see the fit. I see the fit because they need an alpha. Like, they need a guy who can go get a bucket, Mm. right? That's the one thing that they don't, like, that's what they don't have. Ideally, he would be a shooter, right? Because their guys aren't great shooters with the exception of Franz. And he's not great, but he's good enough for his position. Um, You know, but a, a, a Paolo, Franz, Wendell Carter front court is awesome. Right. I definitely see it. They definitely need shooting in the backcourt, which they don't have, but they're not contenders right away anyway. Like you don't I don't think you you get you draft for fit, you know, this this high at all. Like you draft the best player. Right. So I think the magic might be looking at Paolo as like, if we're gonna take a swing, let's take a swing on the guy that can be our number one alpha guy, because we have a bunch of, you know, B players, right? I don't think that that should be what they should do because I just think Chet is that good. It's 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 more of that for me, Chet is that good, that he should be the pick. I think he won't be, and I think the Magic are going to regret it if we end up, you know, you know, going to bed tomorrow night with, you know, Jabari Smith being the first pick, which is still the betting favorite, even though it did move a little bit. He's still the betting favorite. All of, you know, everybody still thinks it's going to be Jabari, but I just wouldn't make it Jabari in my. I think that's fascinating, and I love an NBA draft where the consensus number one, you know, best talent isn't going number one. That's extremely exciting to me. So, John, unless you have any other thoughts, I think we should move on to the pick number two, Oklahoma City Thunder. Who they pick in Eli? I think this is going to be the – they're going to run it up to the table. It's going to be so fast, and it's going to be Chet Holmgren. And I think if the Thunder were picking out one, they would take Chet Holmgren. He fits perfectly. He's long. He's athletic. He can shoot. He can defend, which is a big thing, you know, with Giddy and Shea Gilgis-Alexander – you know, that kind of core, you know, they, they trade man, even as like a sixth man guy, they do have Dorcher, but they have no big net. All of their like young guys, all of their like hopeful, you know, pieces are all guards and wings. Yeah. And Poku. Well, actually, <laughs> you know, I think he can be fine. He can be like a solid big man. He's a solid player, but um, you know, Chet is a franchise altering defensive player, which they desperately need. And then on top of that, he is a culture setter. He is mean. He fights. He is the hardest working guy on the on the court. There, every report is that he is the guy that loves basketball the most in this entire draft. He like truly. I love eats that. Screens. Yeah, he is. He is unbelievable. He is next level instincts. That's like the biggest thing about him, man. He he is the best like help side defender we've probably seen in, in you know at least the last couple of years. You know, since I've been you know trying to follow this as best as I can. He is the best help side defender there is. He is unbelievable, even guarding the ball. Like, even with the whole argument about his size and his frame, whatever, yeah, it's obviously I'd rather him be 225 than 195. But even still, because of his length, because of his fight, because of his, his IQ, his instincts, he still guards everybody super well. He's, that's, the big, that's the biggest thing about Chet. I'm going to end it with this. We've talked about him already a little bit. Like, the biggest thing about Chet is every single year of his life, everywhere he's gone, AAU, high school, college, it's all been he's too skinny, he's too skinny. And then he goes and he dominates anyway. Like, at what point are we just going to say he's not too skinny because it works? 
Just because it doesn't look like it's going to work doesn't mean it's not going to work. That's the definition of a unicorn. And he is a unicorn. Everywhere he's gone, it's worked. And I have no reason to believe that it won't work. It's worked. There's no comparison for it. Everywhere he's gone, you mean you mean getting upset when you're the number one seed in the NCAA tournament? Yeah. Upsets <laughs> happen, dude. Paolo lost too. Jabari Smith got upset to your your Miami Hurricanes. <laughs> no, 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 no. I picked the Hurricanes. I picked them. I knew that was happening. Come on. No, you but get the point though. What I'll say about what I'll and say he was about also, it wasn't because Chet wasn't good. He was awesome. Right. Okay. No. Um, are we sure about that? T- Timmy, sure. Timmy was the, uh, this is the thing I don't understand, right? Timmy, 11, you know, or no, 25 points, seven rebounds, right? Timmy's playing 20, uh, 37 minutes. Chet Holmgren in that game, 24 minutes, they lose to Arkansas, right? Because of the refs. Uh, and the refs truly blew that game. They Chet. made him foul out, and he didn't foul, like, all those fouls were garbage. Okay, or maybe, or maybe he's still just—he's just too young right now. And and this is why the person I'll compare with really quick. This down eleven points, fourteen rebounds. To me, the guy I would compare him to, who like not in terms of how he plays, it, to me he's gonna be like Andrew Wiggins. Like I think, like write this dude off, and then I do think eventually down the line he can be a solid role player because like you said, you know, he loves basketball, whatever, all these things are true. I think he's, he is so young right now, but I think for the first four seasons, I don't think we're going to see anything, you know, all-star level out of him. So that's, that's my check. I disagree. I think One thing I will say awesome. is right. I get very excited. You know, a lot of these teams that have been stockpiling draft picks and, and really picking these young guys for a while, like, the idea of Shea Gilgis Alexander, Josh Giddy, and Chet Holmgren on a team, especially in OKC, who they got to, you know, we know they got to be homegrown. They can't be attracting free agents. That's just not how they are. And we saw it when they had Durant, Westbrook, and, and, and Harden. And I think it'd be really cool. Now, it's, it seems like maybe it's a little bit more common in the NBA to have these homegrown teams with, uh, like, Giannis winning a championship for the Bucs and even the Celtics this year. And look at, look at the um, the Warriors, right? So I think it'd be really cool to see OKC like be in the playoffs again with a young core of those guys. And even you have Dort and like Darius Baisley and, and a bunch of the other young guys, Trey Mann, Poku, whoever else, right? So, All right, so what year? What year, guys? We'll pick what year is the Oklahoma, are the Oklahoma City Thunder, are they making it back to the playoffs? Two playoffs? years. When do you say uh, two? So 2024 or 2025? Not next year, not after next year, after the year after that. Okay, so not his rookie or sophomore year, but Chet's third year, you're saying? Yeah. All right. I think they win the title that year. <laughs> All right, Eli, num- pick number three goes to the Houston Rockets. Rockets. And they will take probably my – this is probably my favorite fit, um, at least in the top, you know, couple guys. I think they're going to take Paolo, and they're going to be so damn happy about it. He fits so perfectly next to Jalen Green. You know, a, a, you know, a one four, two four, whatever you call Jalen Green position wise, like mm. a pick and roll with both of them on either end because Paolo can be a ball handler as well. That is filthy. They definitely need some defense. Um, you know, Paolo's biggest weakness right now is definitely his defense. Um, but a part of it is how like, we don't. He has the size for it. He's 6'10", 250. He is huge. That's the thing that everybody keeps talking about. Like. Like every time I hear anybody talk about Paolo, whatever, he they just say that he's so much even bigger in person than he looks. Like he's 6'10, 250. That's literally bigger than LeBron. Like LeBron is 6'8, 250, whatever. Like he's literally bigger, but he plays the same position. 
Obviously, he's not LeBron. He's not that athletic. Um, <laughs> but like Paolo reminds me of Pistons Blake Griffin, like the all the all NBA year when he was like awesome or whatever. Oh. Like 18, 19 or whatever. That, that Blake Griffin was pulling up for three. Yeah, and Paolo could shoot. He so his numbers don't show it as much because a lot of it was like self created, like off the dribble. Okay. College spacing is a little different. Duke could not shoot at all. The entire team had no shooters except for AJ Griffin. Um, he was, which AJ Griffin, we'll talk about him in a second. I think hurt his, you know, hurt him because he was the only spacer on the floor. So a lot of it was like self created stuff. He's got good form. He's got, he's a good free throw shooter. He's really good in the mid range. He is unbelievable at creating his own shot in the mid range. Um, and he's got like that skill. He's so smooth. He's, he's a, you know, he can score against anybody. He's just awesome. I think Paolo is a star. Paolo is my number two guy. I think he's going to be an all-star. He reminds me of, like I said, like Pistons, Blake Griffin. Like he was third team all NBA know that year. I think he was 18 or 19 at the yeah. year. Like he's that kind of player. He's not the freak athlete that we remember, you know, you know, prime Blake Griffin being, but a little more, you know, just smart, savvy, good shooter. And the best thing about Paolo, and I'm going to end with this, he is the best passer in this class, period. Point mm. guard, not point guard, whatever. Paolo is an unbelievable passer. And, you know, it goes back to what I said in the beginning. Like, these are the kind of guys that I love. The big passers, I think, are like, that's the biggest, the best go that you can have. If you can create for yourself and others with size, this, the, you know, the ceiling is unbelievable. And I think Paolo is exactly that. Yeah. So, like I said, I haven't done much draft research, but the top three guys, I, I have a, a, quite a bit. And it does shock me that, like, you know, as of how many, the last couple of weeks, the last week or two weeks or whatever it's been that now it's like, oh, Jabari's going number one. It is shocking because every, because of everything you just said, Eli, to me, Paolo has like the, yeah. he has the, he fits all the criteria for a number he one. He looks like a number one. He looks like a number one pick in the draft. And to me, if I'm Houston getting him at number three, holy cow, I'm licking my lips and I'm saying this guy with Jalen Green, like they're so young. I think they're going to have some nights where they're going to look like, you know, the young version of the of Lob City. But I think they will have some nights where they look absolutely awful too. Like just defensively yeah. in terms of them being sure. young, turning the ball over and chucking shots. But I think, what do you, like, what do we have here when he's, so he's 19 years old. Jalen Green is 20. He's, 20. Same age, he's a year older yeah. probably. Jalen Green, 20 years old. What do these Shingun, guys like? Shingun is not even 20 years oh, yeah. either because he was so yeah, young yeah. last year. Shingun as well, right? It's like, so what do, what do those three dudes look like when they're 25, 26, 25, 25, and 26, right? Like, yep. that's fun. And I, if I'm Houston, oh my gosh, like, you're, you know, Daryl Morey leaves, James Harden leaves, you know, not crazy, you just traded Christian Wood, like, whatever, like, you're looking at this. They got more ammo. They have two more first round picks. Right. And they Four. have, like, they got picked 17 and picked 26. 17 and 26. I like their build the best. And, and when I'm talking myself into all this, I'm like, oh, Houston's going to look good in like six, five, six years from now. And these are to their prime. To me, I'm like, what, what's Orlando doing? And I think what they're doing is they're saying, we want to go with more of a sure thing. We know that maybe yeah. the floor of Jabari is like, you know, he can, he can be a player. Like, like, look at how good Wiggins was in the finals. Like I said, like, just a good wing guy, you know, and that's, that's probably his floor Jabari's. And it's like, you know, Paolo is like a guy who looks again, he has the criteria of what a number one pick would be, but it's like he also has maybe more bust potential, you could say, of not yeah. being that of not fulfilling that potential. So and I don't know, it's interesting. I'm wondering then why why wouldn't Orlando trade down? You know, if it seems like Chet and Paolo 
both make sense for OKC and Houston. And it also makes – it seems like those two guys are the more talented guys in the draft. Why wouldn't Orlando try to do what the Sixers – or what the Celtics did to the Sixers in, you know, 20 – I think 17 when they traded yep. up for – when they traded down to get Tatum because they would have taken Tatum number one anyway. If, if the Magic really want Smith at number one, they should trade down. So low-key, I think that there's two, two, two parts to that. I think the, the one part that I think – I think they might. And I think that is where the very little bit of the Palo number one conversation might be gearing towards. Uh, Oklahoma City is very, very good. They've always been really good at hiding their intentions, right? All we've heard about OKC is Jabari and Chet. What if they actually want Paolo? And if they actually want Paolo, the Rockets, who now have an extra pick and multiple extra ones, what if they end up saying to Orlando, hey, trade down with us. You guys clearly like life. Like Orlando's John Hammond is their GM. Like Milwaukee Bucks, think of Thon Maker and Giannis and X, like all those guys. Like they like you length. So what if the number one buzz is does Houston trade up to go get Paolo because they like him being scared that the Thunder won't or the Thunder will take on Paolo at two. Like that's I think the first part of that. That response. I think I think the second part, just to make a smaller point, the second part is I think that there's just a chance that Oklahoma City just also wants Jabari, right? Like, because of all of the reasons why they would want Chet, Jabari fits all of those same reasons. I think Chet's better, but if Jabari fits the same mold of why Oklahoma City would want him, so they can't trade down to three for Houston if they think that if they just really want Jabari, you just take your guy. Like, just period, you just end up taking your guy. Yeah. that would be the other the the rebuttal to why that would not happen, potentially. So my response is that I just trust the sources like that Woj and Sh- and Shams and all these guys have like too much for it to be like this thing where like, like everyone's pretty calm. Like you said the money is uh, the way the you know the odds work. Like they, they Vegas knows. And to me the the top three is looking like you're right. It's, it's Jabari, it's Chad, and it's uh, and it's Paolo. So to me it's like. I would be I would be really shocked if it's like, like oh no OKC actually really like Bancaro like and they don't take Chet right that'd be, that'd I mean, be nobody cool. thought they were taking Giddy last year nobody mm. but to me just one example pick, obviously yeah but what pick like, was that too what pick did six, they have six and it was a surprise because Kaminga was right there and Kaminga was like a month earlier picked at like number two or three he fell right. a little bit you know age whatever but like everybody thought it was going to be Kaminga it was the perfect fit. And they just love Josh Giddy. So who knows? But that's kind of my, my Paolo spiel. So you want to you guys want to keep going to number four? Yeah, go to number four. This is a really exciting one. We have the Sacramento Kings who, Eli, I'll just say what you said. You know, your top four players, the next guy should be Jaden Ivey, who's a guard. This Sacramento team had a lot of guards, right? So they just traded away Tyrese Halliburton because they, need, they had too many guards. So... So what are they going to do here, Eli? So if you had to make me pick, I think that I have no doubt in my mind, Jaden Ivey will be the fourth pick of the draft. Hmm. I have absolutely no idea who is going to be picking him. But my guess is it's not Sacramento. I agree. Is it Detroit who's picking number five? I think it could be Detroit. I think it could be Indiana. I think it could be New Orleans. I think it could be the Knicks. And I think it could be the Thunder. Those are kind of the would Indiana do it with Tyrese Halburn? You could you could put Halburn and I think Halliburton and Ivy is an awesome 
awesome backcourt. Is it as awesome as, as Ivy and Cade, though? I mean, that doesn't matter. We're not, you're not comparing the two of them. It's just I would love that. Because I'm just saying, what, what should I be rooting for? <laughs> I'm, I really would love to see Jaden Ivy on the Pistons because, which, you know, I've seen some mock drafts have at number four, the Kings, because they have Davion Mitchell and De'Aaron Fox. They're not going to pick Jaden Ivy also. And then they, then the Pistons are able to scoop him up at number five. And I also do think the Kings are kind of a team that's dumb enough, Eli. We've seen them do this in the past where they've just totally missed on a certain pick. Maybe they won't. Maybe this is a no-brainer here. You said there's a top four. It seems like there's just a very clear top four talent-wise. But Ivy with, with Cade and the rest of those young guys is exciting to me in Detroit. Yeah, for sure. I think Ivy would be awesome almost anywhere. Yeah. Right? So let me talk about Ivy real quick. Yeah, let's talk about so. The comparison that he keeps getting, which I just don't get, is Ja. He is not Ja. He looks like Ja, literally, hair and everything. And he, I mean, they're both athletic guards, so I get it. But the biggest difference between Ja and Jaden Ivey is Ja, from day one, even his freshman year at Murray State, was a much, much better passer. Ivy is just not a great passer at this point for his, you know, talent level. Right. Obviously, he's a, he's a you know he's still a good passer. He's a point guard. He's athletic. Whatever. Um, I don't see Ja. I see Donovan Mitchell. I see you know prime Oladipo at least on offense. Depot is an unbelievable defensive player. You know, but uh, like a Depot on offense kind of guy. Like creating you know for others a little bit. You know, those guys are good passers. Those guys are like four assist a game passers. But they're not like you know point guard set the table kind of guys. They're awesome scorers. I think ja, I mean, Jaden Ivey is going to be better in the pros than he was in college because of the space, right? He played with two massive centers. He played with a seven-foot-four guy, Zach Eady, and he <laughs> played with Travion Williams, who's going to be a second-round pick. Uh, good sleeper. I like Travion Wait, Williams. Where's Eady going? Uh, he's, gonna, he's going back to school. He, oh, okay. All right, he, next year. Be <laughs> Purdue. Um, but, and that's where I think why I think he's still going to be this good, though, even though he's not a great defender and he's not a great passer, is I think he'll become a better passer with more space on the court. That's kind of the biggest thing with Ivy is like when this court is more spread out and he adjusts more and he plays more and he's playing a little bit off the ball more because I don't see him as like being a point guard. I think he's more of a two than he is a one. And I think if you put him next to, you know, Cade or next to Halliburton or next to, you know, even I had Pelicans as an option, like, I think they might like him a lot too. They don't have a traditional point guard, but Zion bringing the ball up and CJ still being who CJ is. That could work. I think it's going to work. So I really love Jaden Ivey. He's my number three guy. I just wish he was a little bit better of a passer or a better defender. If he gets better at one of those two things, watch out. Yeah. Ivey, I said this during March Madness. I said he's my favorite player that's going to be drafted this year. And he stole my heart. You know, he was pulling up from deep. I really liked how he got to the rack. You're right. He's not a passer. Jaw was very clear, even from the little that I watched him when he was in college. Uh, mostly oh, he in the tournament. Unbelievable. Great, great passer immediately. Um, but Ivy has, you know, that athleticism. Um, but I do think Ivy's a guy who I kind of, and I know you said you think he'll be great on any team, uh, almost any team, whatever it was. Yeah. I kind of worry about the fit for him. He's a guy who I'm scared will get put on the wrong team and then things won't pan out. Because he's a guy who can score, and he's obviously, you know, like point guard size. He's not he's not the biggest player. So yeah. when you have a guy like that, I think it's very crucial what team they land on. So, I, I mean, also, yeah. 
is probably I would never want anyone to land in Sacramento. So hoping he doesn't end up yeah. in Sacramento. Yeah, I agree. And I think Sacramento just they want to win now. So I think to talk the Sacramento part of this, I think they end up doing some deal where it's like, you know, uh, with Indiana, let's call it, they'll do something like, you know, Brogdon and six for Jaden Ivey and, you know, a decent like role player or something because Brogdon's really good. He's worth more than just trading up two spots. Maybe they give up like Rashawn Holmes or something. I don't know, whatever. Um, or the Pistons will trade like Sadiq Bay. You know, I just move down one spot and still get who they like, right? Something like that, you know? So I do think that that's what the Kings want. The other option and the last dark horse, actually, that I forgot to mention because they're not even in the lottery. There's a lot of talk about Atlanta moving up. Atlanta has an extra pick. They traded with somebody last year. I forget who it was. And they want to move John Collins. And John Collins is, a, at least offensively, a really good fit next to Tamana Sabonis. So I think something like 16, a future first, and John Collins – for four, we're starting to hear some buzz about that. And then Atlanta would take him to be next to Trey. It's not perfect defensively. Perfect. That, that, that suck. sense having Ivy Offensively, it would be unbelievable because they can both play really well off of each other. Defensively, they're going to, you know, just bludgeon, get bludgeoned with points. But it would definitely be fun. So, you know, that's that's a dark horse that we keep hearing about. I want Ivy to go to Indiana just because I think it would be so incredible as, you know, the Sacramento Kings as like, they're the like bottom feeding franchise, you know, just of complete mediocrity and just incompetence. I think it would be incredible to see Indiana, like I think a, a pretty respectable organization. They haven't like, they haven't yeah. won a title, but they're like a respectable. They're this respectable. is their first pick higher than 10 since 1980 something or whatever. Exactly. Like they're usually competitive. They've been in the playoffs, right? <laughs> In, in the 90s and the 2000s and, and the 10s, right, with Paul George and, and the, the Roy Hibbert, those teams. And I think it would be incredible to see, like, the team that's led by Halliburton and Ivy, two guys that should have been on the Kings. <laughs> I would have mm-hmm. loved And Ivy played in Indiana, obviously, Purdue. So yep. that would be cool. He's from Indiana, too. Not from Indiana, okay. but he's from, awesome. he's from um, South Bend, so a little south. But I was hearing that on a podcast today. Hmm. All right, next pick. Number, number five? Detroit. So – Detroit, this one is really hard for me. I don't really know what Detroit's going to do. I think this is the pick that I'm least confident in, in the top, let's call it like eight or nine. I think they could go really with anybody. Um, But I think they're going to end up taking Keegan Murray, the power forward out of Iowa. Keegan Murray kind of reminds me of Al Horford. Um, He's, I'm I'm a little bit lower on Keegan than others are, um, but He's just a really just a good, solid player. He doesn't really have any weaknesses, he, but he doesn't really have anything like crazy that sticks out. He was just an awesome, awesome college player. He's a little bit older because he reclassified or he went to junior college or whatever it was. I forget. His oh, exactly. and he's a, and he's a sophomore. He's, he's a sophomore, but he's like 22, right? okay. like 21, turning 22. So he's a little bit older, you know, for his grade. Um, so part of that is the age thing. Is he is he only good because he's basically a college senior playing, you know, whatever. Um, but he does a little bit of everything. He's a, he's a good defender, but he's not, you know, elite. He's a good shooter, but he's not like, you know, AJ Griffin level or whatever. He's a, the one thing he's really, really good at is he's really, really good in space. He like was unbelievable in transition. I forget the exact number, but he was the, by far the best in the points per possession in the NCAA last year in transition. He averaged like 1.5 attempt points you know, per attempt or something like that. Something that's just like bonkers. Um, he kind of reminds me a little bit, not as like a player, but like just to compare last year, just like I like the profile of like Franz Wagner, just the guy that everybody knows is going to be a really good player, 
what's his ceiling. And that's why he fell a little bit. He ended up being, his ceiling, Franz ended up being a little bit better than people thought, like his ceiling-wise, but kind of in that profile. So that's why I, I compared him like an Al Horford, just like a really good defender, steady veteran, going to be a, an NBA player for like 12 years, might make like one all-star team if like his shots you know, are on fire for a year and like on a good team kind of thing. Um, but that's kind of who I see Keegan Murray as, like an Al Horford kind of just good, solid 10-year NBA vet, who's just a really good player. And I, he's also an awesome dude, apparently. Like everybody just loves him, hardest working guy, just in the gym, loving, you know, that kind of thing. So Katie Murray to Detroit is where I'm going to put him. I I like that pick at, uh, for Detroit, but, uh, for that fit. Um, but what position is he going to play? So he'll he'll probably play the the three and the four. He'll probably play more of the four. Um, I think he can, you know, in a bigger lineup, he can defend a little bit out there. And I think he can be a small ball five. If you're just trying to stretch out because he can shoot. He's got size. I think he's 6'9", if I remember correctly. Um, he's 6'8". So he's got, like, small ball five size, you know, when you really have to. But I see it like an Al Horford kind of role. Cool. All right. Number six, Indiana Pacers. Eli, who are they taking? Number six, I have Indiana taking Benedict Matherin out of uh, Arizona. He's the wing out of Arizona. He reminds me, I just talked about this guy, you know, with, with Jaden Ivey. Um, but I think this one fits even more. He reminds me of Victor Oladipo. Mm. He's a, he is just fiery, feisty. Um, he is like him, right? Like he's like the number one, like dog in this class. Yeah. Right? It's either him or his teammate who I might talk about a little bit later. Um, Arizona just had a bunch of like just trash talkers. Um, I know, you know, the incident with the TCU game at the end. TCU, I wanted trash. TCU to win so bad, bro. I wanted Arizona. I love Arizona. But um, he's athletic, he's shifty, he's crafty, he's a shooter, he's a really good defender. He struggled a little bit, like, off the ball defensively. He definitely was a little bit of a ball watcher. He got back cut a bunch, just awareness, laziness. I don't really know, you know, if that's just, like, a mental thing. He's super young. He's only a sophomore in college. Like, that stuff can be cleaned up. I think Benedict Matherin is awesome, and he fits exactly what Indiana needs. They just need guys that can get buckets. Um, and, and, you know, he can fit next to Halliburton. Halliburton sets everything up. Matherin is next to him. Shooter, scorer. I just think Matherin is a perfect fit there. And he's athletic, which they need. They don't really have a lot of athleticism. Halliburton, Duarte, you know, kind of more ground. Even TJ Warren, if he's ever going to come back and play. More like ground-bound guys. Matherin is the flashy athlete. I think Matherin to Indiana would be perfect. So, so Eli, the question here, though, is if, if Detroit at number five or if – Indiana number six goes up for Jaden Ivy. Does that mean we have now the Kings picking in one of these slots? And if so, do they like Keegan or do they like uh, Benedict? Like who, who who are they going for? With the so the Kings, I think I think the Kings' ideal situation is trade down to five or six, get like a haul, and take Keegan Murray because Keegan Murray is a really good fit next to Sabonis. Um, both like versatile four or five kind of guys. You know, not the greatest rim protectors, both solid positionally, Keegan especially. And then Keegan can shoot really well, so he'll space the floor for Sabonis. I think the, the, the Keegan, and he's older, ready to play right now. Like, I think tomorrow in an NBA game, Keegan is better than Matherin. I think Matherin will be better, so I have him higher on my board. Um, but, you know, I just think that that's kind of their, their goal. I think the other pick, and the, I think the other guy the Pistons, I mean, the Kings might like, Excuse me, is the guy I have going next. So Shaden we can Sharp. transition. What? Is this, I was going to ask you, is it Shaden Sharp? 
Shaman Sharp is my number is as eight. Oh, and okay. I think, right. okay, I think Sharp is the other guy too. I think basically I think the Kings, Murray, Matherin, Sharp, and then the next guy that I'm about to talk about. I think the Kings, all of those guys fit better with the Kings than Ivy does. So if they can trade to one of these next couple spots, get a haul and take any of these guys, uh, that's kind of would be where where they might go where they might want to go to win now and to just fit better, you know, with De'Aaron Fox and Donovan Mitchell, uh, uh, Davian Mitchell being there. Yeah. Well, so then, so the number seven, Eli, Portland, you, who do you have that we haven't mentioned? So I'm going to go for a second. This guy is my guy, my number one guy in this draft. Not my, not the number one player in the draft, my favorite player in this draft. To me, the Portland Trailblazers will take Dyson Daniels out of the G League. And Dyson Daniels is my guy. I am all in with him. <laughs> he is Lonzo, but a little bit more athletic to me. He similar I mean, shooting questions, you know, coming out, right? Like Lonzo became a really good shooter. And I think Daniels can be. His his form is good. There's no reason to believe that he can't be a good shooter. He was a young 18-year-old playing in the G League professionally. He didn't shoot very well for sure. But he is the best perimeter defender in this class, easily. Like if you were just tell me one guy, go guard. Steph Curry, go guard John Morant, go guard, you know, Bradley Beal, whatever, go guard. He is the guy that I want guarding that. He's huge. He's six, seven, and he's a legitimate like point guard, like a legitimate lead guard. Again, I, I, I was teasing it earlier. The exact type of guy that I fall in love with. Six, seven guard. He's a very, very, very good passer. He's probably the, probably the second best passer. I have to think about that real quick, but like Paolo, I think is the best passer, especially when you count the fact that Paolo is six, 10. And Daniels is only six 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 seven, um, but he is the next best passer. He's a great defender. He's got a really good in between game. He's like a good a good mid range game. He's a really good. He's got a really good floater. Um, he's just an awesome, awesome like, just like wing ish skills, but in like a point guard like body, right? And like I just think that he would be. He's an unbelievable fit next to Dame specifically, right? He can be like the the point guard, the guy that sets it all up whereas Dame is the scorer, and he's an unbelievable defender with size. He's, he's basically the antithesis of C.J. McCollum. C.J. McCollum is a scoring, small shooter. He is a defense-passing wing that plays guard because he could handle the ball really well as well. Um, he's Lonzo in that like connecting style kind of player, but I think he's got more upside than Lonzo because of his athleticism. Daniels will dunk on people. He's athletic. I'm just all in. Dyson Daniels. I'm putting my stamp on it. He is a guy that I believe is going to be a really, really, really good NBA player. And I think he fits perfectly next to Dame specifically in this case. I love that, Eli. That's fun. So why would they pick? Because I know Shaden Sharp is an interesting player in this draft. And I know you haven't mentioned him yet. You said you haven't mentioned eight. Why would Portland uh, go with, or I guess measure the two of those guys for Portland? Like what the difference is between Shaden Sharp and, and uh, Daniels, because they do seem – well, first of all, both their names are alliteration, which I love in sports. True. But uh, what are the differences between those guys? Because they do seem quite different, and they're kind of in a similar possible spot to get drafted. So so I think this is kind of 50-50. In fact, I was even looking at, like, both both of them in the betting market are both seven and a half. That mm. They're, like, over-under. So they're both at, like – I would bet pretty significant money, barring trades, that Daniels and Sharp go seven, eight in some order. Right, like if the Pelicans, I mean, if the Blazers take Sharp, I think the Pelicans take Daniels, and they're totally cool with it. And I think vice versa. You know, if, if it goes the other way around, I think for me, 
I just think that Daniels is a better fit in Portland for two reasons. One, Portland wants to win. Like they just traded for Jeremy Grant. We just got, you know, that NBA news, you know, happened today, a couple hours ago. And they want to appease Dave, right? And Daniels is the guy that's better to win now. He just played mm-hmm. a year professionally. He's a little bit older. Shannon Sharp, like we clap, we'll talk about Sharp in a second. His story is kind of insane. Um, and I just think he fits better next to Dave because of the defense, right? The defense, the size, that kind of thing. Sharp is more of a scorer, you know, all that kind of thing. But I think that just Daniels fits better. If the Blazers want to swing for the fences, that's Sharp. But if the Blazers want to just do a little bit of a safer, but like still with the upside, clearly in my opinion, because I love him, um, I think Daniels is the guy. And that's kind of where, I don't think you're wrong. I think it was a good question to ask, right? Um, It's going to be Sharp or Daniels, in my opinion. I just need Daniels, mostly because of the defense, if anything. So then you have Sharp going to uh, New Orleans? Yeah, so I have Sharp going to New Orleans. He is a massive question mark. You know, he is just... He reclassed, so literally a year and a half ago, basically, right around this time, a year and change ago, he was like a the number 80 prospect or something in his high school class. And then he had a summer where he just went nuts. Hmm. The summer of, I think, the 2021 summer, so last summer. No, whatever, I forget which summer, whatever. But he just went nuts. And he went all the way up to number one. He literally went from like 80 to one in one summer. Because everybody was just like, whoa, we missed on this guy. He grew up, you know, whatever. He went all the way up there. Then he reclassified. And he, he, he went early, like he went to uh, Kentucky early. But he hasn't even played. He's played yeah. four yeah. games since last summer. And it was in like a semi-professional high school age league, whatever, um, you know, in October, right? So he really hasn't even played. But his upside is unbelievable. He kind of reminds me of Anthony Edwards. Um, hmm. Just streaky. He probably a little too jump shot happy. Kind of a little bit like Edwards. As awesome as Edwards is, with as athletic as he is, he should dunk on people more than he takes, you know, contested uh, step back threes. Um, and that's kind of what Shaden Sharp is. He's a he's a little jump shot happy for such a stud athlete, but he's a really good shooter. Um, he's not a great defender, but he's got the size, you know. So it looks like it's going to be there with the athleticism and the size. Like how much of it was like you know, high school age, like, what does it really matter? AAU, all that kind of stuff. We never got to see him in like a college system or anything. He's just as super weird and, but raw as it gets. He's the biggest boomer bust guy in this draft. And I think at the Pelicans right here, he's probably the last guy of the, the second tier. I think it's a top four and then these next four and there's a huge drop. So he's just the guy that fits there and he's the upside guy. You know, you put him next to Zion long-term, if he ends up hitting, Zion and, and Shaden Sharp can run the NBA. And, and Brandon Ingram, sorry, I didn't think that Ingram. Like those three guys, yeah, the two, three, four. And Jose, Grand Theft Alvarado. <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah, honestly, to me, like you saying all that would make me surprised to see the Blazers draft Sharp. Like to me, if I'm the Blazer, I'm drafting Sharp and then I'm trading, you know, I'm trading Dame for yeah, that's a bunch the kind of draft picks. Trajectory for sure. It, it doesn't make sense to me if, if, if they need the NBA-ready guy, you don't take the raw dude that hasn't really played in a big game in his entire life, really, since, you know, high school or not. He didn't play in college, right? Like, so it doesn't really make sense to me. It seems like they got to go with your your uh, your crush right there, Eli, right? Dyson Dan. For sure. <laughs> okay. Now we so got – who we got yeah. rounding out the top ten? So we got San Antonio Spurs next. Um, and I have them taking kind of the sleeper. This is kind of the probably surprise – um, I ended up taking Usman Jang from 
France via New Zealand. So he, he was he played in New Zealand. All right, seems like a classic San Antonio Spurs pick then. Yeah. So the Spurs, I think, are really interesting. So one of my best friends, Tim, shout out Tim, is a huge Spurs fan. So like I've been talking about him with him about like a lot of good stuff going on. Um, and he's not a big draft guy either. So you know, he's kind of talking to me about this kind of stuff. And the Spurs are interesting. I really just have no idea what the Spurs in the general next like year is going to look like. They've got a lot of good young pieces, not really like a super, super duper star. I don't Lots like of cap space. Right now. What? Yeah, I don't really like their team right now. So I see them as just taking a swing for the fences. Usman Jang is very, very interesting in that he, was, he, had, he came into the year with a lot of hype, top 10-ish hype. He's a big wing. He's like 6'8", six, 6'9". Six, actually, I think he's how tall. I think he's actually listed at 6'10". Yeah, he's 6'10". Um, so he's big, big wing, super good creator, really good ball. He's, he's probably his biggest skill is just ball handling. Again, this is the kind of guys that I fall in love with. There's like ball handling, his creation, his passing, his defense. He's a really, really good defender. He just really can't shoot right now. Um, and his year was super interesting. So he's 18 years old from France, goes to play professionally in New Zealand, right? And is as absolutely horrendous as you could possibly imagine a player playing. Like truly like 20 minutes a game, four points, a horrible shooting. He was horrible for like the first 15-ish games or however much, like the first half of the year. And then something just clicked. And the second half of the year, he was awesome. Like, like just not even just like better, you know, he improved. He like genuinely became like a really good basketball player almost overnight, right? And, it, and like, which one is he kind of thing, right? If he's the player that he was in the second half of the, the NBA, NBL league um, in, in, uh, in, Aust- in New Zealand, then he's a top 10 pick easy. If he's the first half of the year, he's just not an NBA player. Like yes. at all. Um, and I want to see him become Giannis. Like, he's not Giannis, obviously, for sure. But he's like 6'10", wing, athletic, super good defensively, ball handling, can't shoot. Like, he's not Giannis. No one will ever be Giannis. But, like, in that, like, a poor man's, like, Giannis kind of role. So I see him as, like, Nick Batum with, like, more on-ball creation, Mm. right? That's kind of where I see Usman Jay. And like that's kind of the Spurs should swing. That's kind of what I'm saying with the Spurs. Like, I think they should just swing for the fences, and Jay yeah. is defense swing. Definitely sure. got to go with the upside guy on that. On that. So we, now we have five more picks. Why don't we? Since these are the lower ones, John, and I don't have as much to say. Why don't you give us like a sentence on each of the next Absolutely. five, starting with number ten, Washington Wizards. So the Washington Wizards, I've been taking AJ Griffin. We talked about him a few times already um, because he's the the shooter guy. Tough to find a comparison for him um, because he's kind of been two different players. He's was really injured, you know, in, in the end of his high school career, and it kind of sapped a lot of his athleticism. So that's the question is like injuries for him. But he's probably the best shooter in the draft after Jabari, mostly because of the side that he shot 48.3% from three last year, which is just nuts. It's basically yeah. 50% from three. Um, so it's just wild. Just tough to project because of the injuries. Um, but his ceiling is very high with his shooting potential and his athleticism if it comes back and I think the Wizards would just you know love a you know just a wing that can shoot and hopefully defend if it goes back to his athletic athletic levels for sure okay I love that for number 10 Wizards now we got 11 your favorite team in the league the New York Knicks so for the Knicks I have them taking Jalen Duran um big man out of Memphis 
Um, this is probably my one of my favorite like just comparisons. I think he's just like the perfect fit. He reminds me exactly of Rob, of Rob Williams, time for um, Very good defender, very good like passer for his age. Like that's probably Time Lord's most underrated trade. He's a really good just like passer, just like under the bucket, you know, that kind of thing. Um, 10 years ago, he's a top 10 pick. Big man, athletic, you know, dunks everything, scores on the inside. Just doesn't have a big perimeter game right now. Doesn't have a really good shooter. He's not, he's not a good shooter. He's Time Lord without the like perimeter defense yet. If he ends up either becoming a good shooter or a perimeter defender, he's going to end up being very, very good. And I think the Knicks just need a big man, assuming Mitchell Robinson leaves, uh, which I think he's going to. Mm. He's just a good big man that just slides in right there and does all that. Fun. All right, back to Oklahoma City for the number 12 pick. Oklahoma City takes Jeremy Sohan out of Baylor. Mm. Um, he is Sean Marion, Aaron Gordon, that kind of thing. Think like elite big wing defender. He's probably the most versatile defender in this class. So Daniels is the best guard defender. Chet, I think, is the best interior defender. He's the most versatile. He's probably the only guy that I trust to guard one through five, like truly one through five. He can guard Dame and he can guard Jokic, right? Like that's the kind of player that he is. He just really just can't score. And like, that's the kind of thing that like, we don't know um, if, you know, he's ever going to get there, but if he can score even a little bit, He's going to be awesome. Some people love him. Some people don't trust him because he can't score. I lean towards the latter. But like Sam Bassini of the Athletic has him at number five because he wow. just thinks he's going to score. And his defense and his passing and everything is just awesome. So that's Jeremy Sohan. Yeah, he seems like a, like a good like system player. Like he needs to be in the right fit. And so honestly, yeah. I mean, with OKC and all those young guys, maybe that's it. But I also re- recall him, you know, choking against UNC. So who knows? Well, he was actually the only player that – you choked it towards the end. He missed those couple free throws for sure. But he was the player that got him back into it. Yeah, he was, hit, he, he, was he hitting threes? Is that what it was? He, had, he did it one three. He banked one from the top, and I was so pissed. Okay. Yeah. You remember that. He banked the three because he's a horrible shooter. All right. Next out to Jordan's team, Charlotte, number 13 so, pick. So Charlotte Hornets, Johnny Davis, um, wing two, three kind of guy out of Wisconsin. Um, I think he's becoming underrated. He struggled late in the year because of injuries. He had a really, really bad ankle injury, um, which kind of, I think, sapped him of a lot of his, like, creation and shooting. Um, he reminds me of Chris Middleton, just a little shorter. Um, so he's maybe not – he's maybe, like, more of the two version of the Chris Middleton than the three version. Crazy good mid-range. He's unbelievable in the mid-range, shot creation, all that kind of thing. Started off well from three, failed towards the end a little bit. I don't know how much of that was ankles for sure. Very, very, very good defender. Those are his two biggest things. He's a very good defensive player, and he's a good mid-range shot creator. Biggest weakness, three-point shooting. He was never really a great three-point shooter. And then he struggles to finish in traffic um, even before the injury. So that's probably his biggest, like, on-court weakness. But how much of it was injury? How much of it was him falling apart towards the end of the year? Who knows? But, you know, first half of the year, he was a top-five pick for sure, top five, six, seven pick. So I think he's becoming underrated because he fell a little bit with the injury. But I think he's the – Good pick at 13 for Charlotte, for sure. I like him. I like him a lot. Yeah. I hope he, he excels. Um, yeah. All right. Now, the 14th pick, last pick in the lottery, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Who are they taking? I think the Cleveland Cavaliers take Malachi Branham out of Ohio State. He is a wing. He reminds me of Karis LeVert, which is ironically who they have on their team. Hmm. He's, to me, the Karis LeVert. Or, and this is a deep cut, but I just couldn't, I couldn't stop thinking about him. Marshawn Brooks 
of the Nets of a couple. Oh, of I love Marshawn. Yeah, he didn't he didn't work out. But that's what I'm saying. Like, that's the kind of player he is. If Malachi Branham doesn't work out, he's gonna have the. I think he's gonna have the exact career that Marshawn Brooks had. He's gonna have a couple games where you look at him and this guy is smooth. He is so smooth. He's so he's like six seven. He's a wing. He can score. He's an unbelievable scorer, right? Like he's going to come in and he's going to get buckets immediately. Really bad defensively right now. Not a good passer at all. Really doesn't do anything but score. But if he comes and like rounds his game out a little bit, he can, I can totally see him being like a Karis LeVert type, like score creator kind of guy. And that's exactly what the Cleveland Cavaliers need. Um, so if he turns into a, an NBA player, he's going to go like the Karis LeVert route. If he, if he doesn't, I think he's going to look a lot like Marshawn Brooks or even next year, you're going to be like, wow, Brandon had like 23 points off the bench randomly. And then the next three games, he can't even get on the court because he just can't defend and plays horrible. So that's Malachi Brandon. And I think that that's a swing to get a score next to, you know, next to their bigs down low. And then, you know, obviously my guy, Darius Garland. So a scoring wing, Malachi Brandon, I mean, he's got the size, he's huge. So if he becomes a good defender, it wouldn't surprise me. So that's the kind of guy that I see the Cavaliers taking. Nice. And that rounds out our, our top 14, Eli. So why don't you rattle it off to us now, what you just had in order. Yep. So we have Orlando Magic taking Jabari Smith, Oklahoma City Thunder taking Chet Holmgren, Houston Rockets taking Pella Bancaro out of Duke, Sacramento Kings, Jaden Ivey out of Purdue, Detroit Pistons, Keegan Murray forward out of Iowa, Indiana Pacers, shooting guard Benedict Matherin out of Arizona, my guy, Tyson Daniels, going to the Portland Trailblazers, kind of a guard wing kind of guy. Pelicans with the Enigma, Shaden Sharp. San Antonio Spurs, Usman Jang out of New Zealand. Um, Washington Wizards, AJ Griffin out of Duke. New York Knicks, Jalen Duran out of Memphis. Oklahoma City Thunder, Jeremy Sohan out of Baylor. Charlotte Hornets, Johnny Davis out of Wisconsin. And the Cleveland Cavaliers, Malachi Brandon, our pastor. Good looks. All right. Eli, I'm sending, I'm texting it to us now. We're going to see how many picks you actually nail or if your entire top 14 is a wash. Sounds good. Okay. And now before we wrap up the show, guys, Eli's exit ticket, I want to see. We, we like, Eli, we played a game with you before that you know where every single NBA player has gone to college. So I want to give you a few names and let's see if, if you can get these correct, all right? I'll start <laughs> off with, with some easy ones. Kawhi Leonard. San Diego State. Correct. Clay Thompson. Washington State, number 13 overall. Luol Deng. Duke. Lamar Odom. Rhode Island. Ooh, I did not think you were going to get that one. Nene Hilario. Are you fact-checking this? Those ones are right. Nene Hilario. He's from Brazil. He didn't go to college. Yeah, I don't think he went to college. The last one. International from Brazil. Assistant coach of the Miami Heat, Heat legend, Chris Quinn. Notre Dame. All right. Eli's six for six. If anyone has any players that will be impossible for Eli to get, let us know. Text us. Comment on our Twitter. And we'll, we'll, we'll throw them at him next time he's on. But, you know, this has been a good show. Good preview for tomorrow night. Eli, thanks for coming. John, you're, it feels like you're almost a guest on the pod at this point. Thank you for coming on, too. Hey, when it's an NBA draft show, I, I will be a guest. So. <laughs>
But yeah. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. It was a, it was a lot of fun. I'm excited for the draft. Um, hopefully we'll do another show soon. Yeah, we Eli, we should watch the draft together. Now that I know. I was going to say, John, come over and watch the draft for sure. All right, we will. I'm going to have to get a, a flight out to Phoenix. Listen, you're always welcome. So come out anytime. But thank you guys. It was a blast. Um, you know, thank you guys for everything. I hope to see you guys soon. Thank you guys for having me. And I'm down to come down anytime. So you know you, baby. Yeah, all right. Well, thank you for listening. Have a good one. Go Heat. Go Heat.